0: come alive with pastor mark martinez
1: they just looked at me like i can't believe you're not gonna help us you don't want help you just want somebody to raise a flag when you make a good point I'm, i'm not keeping score for you time to go and they were gone and so sometimes you just have people that just want to do that. Some people just don't want a solution or an answer. They just love to whine and cry and complain. And they're the ones, when given a solution or asked, have you done this? They say, no, because, or I would have, if. Whether well, they really don't want a solution.
0: tried to give good advice only to have it completely rejected? In today's message, Pastor Mark points out that sometimes even the most godly advice isn't followed. Sometimes folks seeking your ear don't want their problems to be fixed. They are instead more interested in scoring points and winning an argument. Unfortunately, when you encounter such people, it's best to stay neutral and not involve yourself in their conflicts. The people that you should pour into and invest in are those that not only want to hear God's perspective, but are also humble and willing to do what Jesus says. Well, let's join Pastor Mark with today's message from the book of 2 Samuel chapter
1: 14. My wife and I, she was going to New Mexico. We had to rent a car. We go back into the place. We go into the place, get the car, and as we're driving back to the conference we were at, uh, I get out of the car for some reason, and I walk up to the front, and I look, and there's a bubble in the tire. Now, she's going to take this car from Dallas to New Mexico, and there's a lot of desert between Dallas and Albuquerque and I'm thinking man if this thing blows out her and both my kids are on the side of the road well, what would happen who would she call and so I call the rental car place and she goes in she's sitting inside the conference and I go outside and I'm talking to the person and they're like well you need to do this 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 and the other thing and I remember about to get mad because it was crazy I was like why can't you guys just bring us another car I mean, you always see the enterprise, you know, commercials. Well, why don't you just bring us another car? I don't care if it's wrapped up or not. Just bring us another car, and we can just call it, you know, swap it out. And this place is like, no, we got to bring out a tow truck, and they got to assess the situation. And then after he assesses the situation, he'll put on a spare tire. And, then, and I'm like, well, so she's got, how long will that spare tire last? 50 miles. Okay, did you not hear me say that my wife's driving from Dallas to Albuquerque, and it's a little further than 50 miles oh, well, we still got to send a tow truck out. All right. So I wait and the tow truck gets there. And as the guy gets there, the, the car rental place calls me and says, is the tow truck there? I'm like, yeah, I'm talking to the guy right now. What's he say? I go, he hadn't said anything yet. He's still sitting inside of his truck, but I'll let you know as soon as he does. So he gets out and the guy goes, oh, it's not so bad. And I'm like, it's not so bad. There's a bubble in the tire, and it's bigger than it was when I first looked at it. It's, like, it's it, like something got this thing, and it just keeps growing, like it had bad gas or something. And so I was just like, man, this is unbelievable. And so I was like, well, here's the deal. This guy wants to just, you know, he says it's okay. You say change the tire. Can I trade it out without work? well, the place you rented it from is closed. You have to drive all the way downtown to the airport. I'm like, I'm cool with that. Will you give me a discount? Well, you have to talk about it when you turn it in. So it's like, all right. So we go down there and we kind of walk in, you know, and and I did. I used this. I told the guy on the phone, I said, listen, if your wife and kids were going on a road trip, would you want them traveling in this car? And he stopped and he paused for a moment and he was like, no. And I was like, so you're going to, can we just go trade it out? Yes. Yes. We normally don't do that. We would rather just put another tire on. And I was like, but can you just do that for us? Yes. So we get there. We get another car. It works. Put yourself in my shoes, dude. Instead of me getting crazy and calling them names and, you know, where are you at? I'll find you. Are you in Dallas? And he's like, probably not. They're never in Dallas. They're always somewhere else, in Australia, wherever. So we have this agent. The agent needs to have an agenda. Look at verse 8. Here's the agenda. And so here, then the king said to the woman, go to your house and I will give orders concerning, concerning you. And so and the woman of Tekoa said to the king, my lord, O king, let the iniquity be on me and my father's house and the king and his throne be guiltless. So here's this lady. She's concerned about the king. She's kind of like what you would call a patriot. She, she really wants the best. So the king said, whoever says anything to you, bring him to me, and he shall not touch you any more. And then she said, please let the king remember the Lord your God and do not permit the avenger of blood to destroy any more lest they destroy my son. And he said, as the Lord lives, not one hair on your son shall fall to the ground. So you feel God has called you to be an agent maybe. After we read this section, maybe the Lord's calling you to be an agent, to bring about peace, and you have studied the Word, and and you're like, okay, man, you know, I feel good. I have my quiet time every day. I think I know what I could say to this person. I know where I can take them in the Scriptures to show this person they're wrong and, and the good things they've done. And so you feel good, but what needs to happen? The question would be, what does that look like? What is needed to bring about the change? And so just as Joab had hoped... David had ruled that the son's life was to be spared. Now, there's a couple of things in here that you might be questioning. What is the avenger of blood? Well, the avenger of blood would be somebody that the family would send to avenge the death of the murderer. But that would happen in a, in a manslaughter situation or even in a murder situation. There was a, a rule that, like, hey, if somebody killed one of your relatives, you could send somebody out to avenge the blood of that relative. But since this wasn't a manslaughter situation, Absalom could not go to a city of refuge. And though it's happening inside of David's family, David didn't send an avenger of blood. So this lady kind of, she's playing this role, covering all her bases, worried about the avenger of blood and so what david says is not no one's going to touch you anymore and not one of his hair shall fall to the ground and so david makes sure that she's he's got you know the whole thing down he's studied he looks at it and so joab is uh, the thing that's happening is what joab had hoped to happen and that son's life was to be spared the king's decision to spare the murderer's life was based on legal mandates in the torah and so for this uh, explicit command required the son's death. Anytime there was a murder, there were, was required a death. But rather, the king's decision was based on a very narrative account within the Torah. The narrative account of the Lord's merciful invention in Cain's life. Remember how the Lord said, nobody's going to harm you. So David goes back. He does what Joab wants. He goes back and he remembers like, hey man, there is a situation like this somewhere. Where was it? Oh yeah, Cain and Abel. Any good Jewish boy would know that story. And so he says, hey, yeah, but the Lord didn't avenge Cain's life. And he even said that if anyone tries to come after this guy, that they would be the ones in trouble. So here, in spite of legal guidelines to the contrary set forth by the Lord himself, it provided an enlightening insight into the Lord's own application of conventional law. Yahweh the merciful in Exodus 34, 5 through 7, he who had spared both Cain and David from the Torah-mandated death sentences had established a definitive precedent for David's decision of the murderer's sentence. Because David would have fell into that same problem when he killed Uriah, had Uriah killed. Remember Bathsheba's husband? So both David and Cain are spared. David was doubly justified in choosing to spare the son because killing him would snuff out the lineage of this woman. And so the only, the only burning coal, as she said in verse 7, so the woman had left and leave her husband, neither name or, nor remnant on the face of the earth. And so David assured the woman that he would issue an order here in verse 8. He says, hey, I'm going to issue this order in her behalf, granting a reprieve for her son. So the woman apparently expressed concern for the king's um, disregard for the letter of the law, and basically saying, hey, you know what, I, this isn't going to happen. And it was perceived without guilt. And so David assured that the matter would stand as he had decided it, uh, using an oath that ominous, ominously foreshadows this cain Abel situation, this fate. So he swore that not one hair on your son's head would be hurt. So the agent had an agenda. He got the answer. And so we need to have an agenda Oh, if you're going to be a peacemaker, if you know that there's some turmoil in your family or in a relationship and it's between two friends, you know, and and, and there's some other things you really have to consider when these things take place as well. Because who are you? Are they going to listen to you? And you might think, well, you know, I've blown it tons of times. Why would they listen to me? It's kind of like, you know, why would you take marital advice from somebody that's been divorced 10 or 15 times? Or why would you take... Any advice from somebody that just continuously blows it in their life and has the great plan. Well, why, you know, sometimes I have people come up to me and they're like, Yeah, you know, and they're the brokest people in the world and they have this investment strategy. And you're like, Really? And their strategy is, well, I owe a lot of money and I just need to borrow some money. And you know, and even in the church, we have people call and say, Hey, you know, can we borrow money? And we sit down and we don't just say, Oh, man, we're the church. Yeah, bro, you could take everything we have because in the name of the Lord we love you. And God's like, no, "No, no, that's the name in the name of stupidity." See, we ask questions, and sometimes when they don't like the questions, we understand that, well, maybe there's a problem there. Well, how much money do you owe? Oh, just a little. Well, how much can you can you put a number on little? You know, and then, you know, I always tell you guys, you know, Make sure you define the term because my definition for little and their definition for little are two different things all the time. And you might find a big number. So we sit down and say, wow, that's a lot of money. How about this? We're going to email you this application. On it, we need you to list all your creditors, everybody you owe money to and how much you owe money. And then you bring it in and we sit down and we talk to you and, and see if we can even meet that need. And I can tell you nine times, maybe eight times out of ten, people don't show up. Well, I, you don't need to be in my business. And I'm like, well, then you don't need to be in our bank account. And, and they don't like that. Well, it's none of your business who I owe money to. Well, then if it's none of my business, then I can't help you because I'm trying to help you out of the situation, not put you in a worse one. Because a lot of people do, I mean, intentions are great. We all know them. We all have had good intentions. But we also all know who we are and how many times we failed. Not a lot of people let their yes be yes and their no, no. And then especially when they start, I promise, or I swear to God, I'll pay you back. Well, that gets the biggest no. I'm sorry, I've got to look out for all these people that sit here, plus the rent of the building and everything else that takes place. And some people don't like it. And I don't like to have those conversations all the time. But, you know, sometimes you have to have them. So that agent needs an agenda. I have to have an agenda. Here's the agenda. We need to set up a payment plan for you. And we need to make sure you're paying all these other people back as well. And we, our only concern is you being the best that you can be. And so bring it on. Let's go. Let, let's start working this thing out. And sometimes they'll sit down and we'll like, wow, look at that mortgage payment. You, and how many people live in your house too? And you need eight bedrooms. Why do you need eight bedrooms? Oh, well, i got these puppies. Start selling them. That'll bring you some money. And then get a smaller house. Don't live outside your means. You know, what kind of car do you drive? How much money do you owe on that? Can you sell that thing and, and maybe get a little bit of money and get a lesser car and, and get you to point A to point B without going broke? Yeah, we could probably do that. Okay, cool. Here's this. Now we got the... And you see, it takes a little while for people to get back, but a lot of times, oh, no, they want to do it their way, and their way is not always the best way. So we basically go through the Bible. So an agenda. An agent has got to have an agenda. He's got to be able to answer the questions and give an answer. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, therefore, the woman said, please, let your maidservant speak another word to my lord, the king. And he said, say on... And so the woman said, why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks of this as one who is guilty and that the king does not bring his banished one home again. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. Now, therefore, I have come to speak of this thing to my Lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. And your maidservant said, I will now speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of his maidservant for the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together from the inheritance of God. Your maidservant said, the word of my lord the king will now be comforting, for as the angel of God, so is my lord the king in discerning good and evil, and may the lord your God be with you. Now, you might think, well, what's the big deal? Again, This is important because an answer is what is needed to settle this, and then it needs to be acknowledged by both parties. Sometimes people just want to share the problem without getting an answer and working out the solution, and that's a problem. You know, a lot of times we'll have people come sitting on this side of my desk, and they'll come and they'll complain and gripe whether it's in a marriage situation or it's a relationship situation, and all they want to do is just share the problem. And that's fine. I can sit and listen takes less time, less work. And they just want to share the problem, or they want to share the problem and have you be on their side. Uh, We've actually had somebody sitting in our own house one time that told us, I can't believe you don't see this my way. And I remember I just looked, I was like, both of you get out. Just go. I ain't got time for this, man. It's Saturday. There's a hockey game I'd rather be watching on than sit here playing games with you two. And they just looked at me like, I can't believe you're not going to help us. You don't want help. You just want somebody to raise a flag when you make a good point. I'm I'm not keeping score for you. Time to go. And they were gone. And so sometimes you just have people that just want to do that. Some people just don't want a solution or an answer. They just love to whine and cry and complain. And they're the ones, when given a solution or asked, have you done this? They say, no, because, or I would have if. Well, they really don't want a solution. They just want to a pity party so the answer has to be followed by an acknowledgement of god and and it is who he is and she brings up some amazing things first she noted that death is a hallmark of the human condition in verse 15 she says you know her emphatic verbal statement that we must surely die she says you know and it, it's true if you think about it statistics prove that one out of every one person dies right well we're all going it's all going to happen to us So one out of one dies. Everybody dies. Where you go depends on decisions you make. And so it's an apparent allusion to Genesis 2.17. If that's the case, then she's restating the Torah and the teaching that God consigned all people to die. So she goes back. She's using scripture now. She's becoming the, the agent that God wants to use to kind of convict David and teach David and point David down the right path. David thinks it's him and David used scripture and sometimes you can get two people that are using scriptures and a good thing will happen. Other times you'll get two people using scripture and one person's trying to use it to twist it and get their way. That's a bad thing that'll happen. So she says, Hey, you know what? Here God has consigned all people to die. Second, she noted that although God requires every person's death, he doesn't try to take away life. He says, yeah, everybody's going to die. God requires this to happen. Every person's going to die, but he doesn't take away life. Instead, he devises a way. If you're taking notes, write this down. God devises ways so that a banished person may not remain estranged from him forever. Think about it. it. We're all banished. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And God says the only way that you can reconcile that is I mean, think about it. When you're saved, you hear Christians say this all the time, the, the cliche, hey, bro, are you saved from what? If somebody ever asks you that, you as a Christian, play this game with them. It's kind of fun to see what they say. Say, from what? And they'll say, from hell. But we're really not saved from hell, right? Right? We're saved from God's wrath. We're saved from God because God being a just and righteous God, because he's, it says in his word that he can't change. He can't, well, he, he's not going to deviate from the path that he's already set. He, he's not going to leave and go, oh, you know what? I'm, I changed my mind about that. See, he never changed his mind about any of us. His mind wasn't changed. He allowed there was a provision for you and I to find our way into heaven because all sin requires, well, the death penalty. It goes back to Adam and Eve. They blow it in the garden, and something, I mean, they had covered themselves with fig leaves. Anybody ever touch a fig leaf? It's pretty itchy. And why you would wear that down there, I don't understand. But they did because they weren't smart. They just grabbed the first thing and just covered themselves up. I mean, and that leaf would dry out pretty quick, crack, crumble, and it's like, oh, another pair of underwear I need. And so God says, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and fix this. And so it says he covered them with skins. Now, anybody ever feel a rabbit skin coat? Those things are, man, that would be nice to wear those around, his underwear. So he made them some skins to cover themselves. A death was required for the sin. So, so they're going back and forth. And so God has devised a way for you and I in the New Testament to find our way to heaven. And it's not good works because here's why if it was good works, when Jesus was talking to that religious leader in John 3, 3, his name was Nicodemus, he, he's a religious leader. It'd be like the Pope walking up to Jesus and going, hey man, we perceive that you are a man from God. We, we've seen these miracles. People talk about all these great things you've done. And Jesus says, well, surely, I say. he doesn't even say, yeah, you know, that's me, buddy. <laughs> Get a t-shirt, I'll sign it for you. He doesn't even acknowledge it that way. He just says, hey, assuredly, I say to you, if you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. That's John 3.3. 3. A little while after that, John 3.16 happens. For God so loved the world that to do what? To die on a cross, to die that death, to be that sacrifice that we needed to cover our sin for you and I so we can make it into heaven. And we should get excited about that. So he devises ways so that a banished person may not remain estranged from him. james four fourteen is a New Testament reference to this verse. And so she says in verse 14, it would be horrible if he were to die and never be reconciled to you. It would be horrible for you and I to be dead, for somebody to hear the gospel message and never be reconciled to God, knowing that God had given his only begotten son to die a shameful, painful, horrible death that was meant for you and I. And we, we just walk away from it like nothing happened. And so it tells us in the Bible that Jesus had beat death. That's what Easter celebrates. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nobody's ever been able to beat death. That's the one thing you and I, no matter how hard we can try, can beat death. But we get to live eternally forever in heaven because of Jesus Christ. This is an irony. That God established a world system that requires death, but then works to contravene or intervene into our lives so we don't have to see it eternally. And so he creates a system. A way to spare life. And and when you think about it, isn't that the best presentation of the gospel that this lady gives and lays out to David right here? I mean, you can see it all happening right here. She lays out the gospel. She provided David with a theological justification for being reconciled to Absalom. And so since the Lord makes harsh judgments against sinners, but then establishes establishes mechanisms... For reconciliation, the king, as the Lord's representative in matters on justice on earth, should do the same, is what she's saying. So, hey, if God's doing this, why shouldn't you do this?
0: We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel, Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.